Yeah, because the first seven or eight minutes was us trying to set it up. You guys are just a bunch of hypocrites. Feel free to at me. I'll put you in your place. Coming free tape from my home office is the Best Coast Show Between the Shows, presented to you by LA Sports Nation. I'm your host, Albert Aguilera. And with me today, I have two guests. Two of them. Because I don't have a co-host. My co-host abandoned me. Mag's on vacation again. JR actually left the country again for uh, humanitarian reasons. He's trying to save the world or something. But uh, but joining me today on opening day is Frank and Frank of the Let's Be Frank Dodger podcast. Frank and Frank, how are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Solid. Especially after a win like that. How about you guys? I'm doing great. I am fantastic. That is fantastic because the Dodgers got that win today. They uh, apparently they broke a major league record today, hitting eight home runs on opening day. Yeah, and I think their previous opening day high was I think four, right? A few years back when they played in San Diego, but uh, they 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 doubled that today. So we were wondering during the game what it was, but now uh, which one of you two Franks was at the game? That would be me, uh, Frank Lopez, baseball Frank. What was the atmosphere like? No Clint Kershaw on the mound. Right. Yeah, it was, but it was still good, man. It was still your typical opening day, packed house. Um, I mean, opening day, it does kind of attract some of the some of the rookies that like to go to the games, right? The people that go the first day and then they probably don't go until playoffs. But um, that said, a lot of those people I don't think could care less if Kershaw's pitching or Ryu's pitching or freaking Kevin Brown's pitching. I think uh, I think they. They kind of just go for for different reasons, but but that said, it, it was a different feeling for for you know a fan like us. But I mean, I don't think it affected the atmosphere one bit. It was a it was a good time. So the uh, the highness rod in full effect, wearing the the high heels and the tons of makeup, holding the micheladas, and trying to get into that club in the left field pavilion. Oh, a hundred percent, man. There was a uh, the high heels, the white pants, the uh, the bedazzled the hats, the the the. The LA's made in uh, in rhinestones. It was in, it was in full force, and yeah, it, I mean it showed well on TV as well. I think I saw that on TV. <laughs> you saw it on TV. Now, other Frank, you were telling me that there's another nightclub that opened on the Sky Deck. The, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, they're calling it the Sky Deck now. I think it's not the Top Deck anymore. It's the Sky Deck uh, restaurant and bar, and uh, that's where that's where the after party happens. I think. Oh, I I was not aware of that new club. I only knew of the one over in the left field pavilion. Now. Was it a little weird? I mean, Kershaw wasn't on the mounts. First time in like 10 years that uh, he's not opening for us. He's not on the roster because he's not the disabled list. He's on the injured reserve list. Is that what we're calling it now? I think it's just IR, injur- IL rather. In- yeah, injury list. Yeah. And Hunter Rue goes out there and, I mean, he had a pretty stellar season last year to close. I mean, to open and close, he just kind of missed the whole chunk middle of it. And he went out there today. He was dealing. I mean... The dude goes, what, seven innings and gives up one earned run. Um, we have so much pitching depth that I'm in favor of, you know, if Clayton needs to sit for a little bit, I'd say, hey, bro, take your time. We've got the depth. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean when it comes to that starting rotation that we have right now, I mean, it's 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 more of a luxury than anything. I mean, you feel like um, in years past, I, there was some questions on, this, on some of those starting rotations. And uh, this year, I mean, it's a good problem to have when um, – when you it seems like we were going through our starting rotation, like pretty much every single person was being ruled out for opening day, but then you still get to throw Hunter and Rio out there. Um, and I mean, look, I mean, he did pretty much what we expected him to do. When it's all said and done, a lot of those guys are going to be back soon. I don't think it's going to be that long that they'll be out. But I mean, I mean, Hunter and Ryu, I have as much faith in him as pretty much anybody in that rotation at this point. 
Yeah, who's who's on our injured list right now? It's going to be Kershaw, it's going to be uh, Rich Hill, and it's Singrani, right? Those are our three pitchers? Yeah, yeah that's correct. Those are the three on the injured list currently. I think Singrani has the longer outcome uh, as far as when he'll be back. Kershaw should be back within a, a week or so. Now, does it and, matter uh, who's pitching when we're scoring 12 runs a game? Probably not. Um, as long as it's not like 2013 or 2014, Pedro Baez, I think we're I think we're okay, man. Because going out there and just unloading on Arizona, just destroying Zach Granke, typical Dodgers. You know they're going to get no hit tomorrow. You know it's like we, we <laughs> used we used all of our runs for the month of March. That's how I'm feeling yeah, I mean, right I now. Think, I think uh, the cynical side of every fan that that creeps up within us and to think that way and think like, oh great, now Robbie Ray is just going to come and shut us down. I don't think so, man. I'm not saying they're going to score 12 runs tomorrow, but I think they'll they'll hit well and they'll be in the game tomorrow for sure. And the rot- not the rotation, the lineup. The lineup that was thrown out today, you're looking at it and I see, you know, Muncy's at first, but he's someone that gets ro- uh, platooned. I'm looking at second base. Apparently, Kike Hernandez was told last week, bro, second base is yours. Now, I'm under the impression that it's his until a pitching matchup. Corey Seager's not going to go anywhere. Turner's not going to go anywhere. The the plan with Barnes, who hit a home run today, that was awesome. The plan with Barnes is apparently he's going to do three of every five games. Russell Martin would get two a week. And the outfield, I, I know Pollock's not going to go anywhere. He's living in center field. They, were, they told Bellinger that he's going to live in right field. Now, are they going to platoon Jock, who, again, is just ripping the ball because he thinks he's still playing in the World Series? Peterson is going to be part of the platoon out there in left field with uh with Chris Taylor. Um I think that is probably the only that in first base, sorry, are probably the only true like lefty righty platoons on the team at this point. Uh you mentioned that you think that, that you might that Kike Hernandez might uh get pulled from the lineup for you know for matchup reasons. But I think at least to start the season, kinda like what I think they're doing with Cody Bellinger is that they're giving him the keys to that position until he gives us every reason not to, you know, so um yeah, so left field and first base are kind of just the, the two only true righty-lefty platoons to start the season, at least. With the left side of the infield being just solidified, no one on the left side is going to move. The The platooning situation is basically going to happen everywhere else. Now, do you see it being more of an issue? Like, do you think they're going to say, hey, Pollock, we just signed you for four years, but this is what we do here in Los Angeles. You're going to play today, maybe tomorrow, we don't know, but... Uh, we're just going to start moving you guys around because that's what we do. Like, you look at this lineup and you look at the field of play and you're kind of like, a lot of these guys are legitimate, like, everyday starters on any team in the National League. So how how do you guys feel that the platooning in general is going to be this season? Because last year, you know, last year we knew it, that Doc literally had over 100 different lineups. Yeah, it was more than that. It was like 135 or something like that on the season. But honestly, I think this season you're going to see some evolution from Doc... And from the front office, I don't believe you're going to see as many platoons. Uh, matter of fact, I'd probably say it'd be less than that 100 number, much less. I think uh, Kike is going to be able to to get every opportunity to be the everyday second baseman, and then Taylor's going to get his at-bats being the main righty platoon guy, uh, along with Freeze, like you mentioned. Yeah, and I'm all in favor of giving guys days off because baseball is 162 games. You're in a different city every week, basically. Even if you're in a homestand, you know, 
getting in and out of Dodger Stadium is a pain in the ass. You're gonna, your body's going to wear down, so you're going to need the rest. You know, obviously someone somewhere at some point is going to get hurt or is going to go down with a phantom injury because our front office likes to do that. So I, I really don't mind platooning in that situation. But, you know, like you said last year, we had 130 different lineups. That was incredibly frustrating. And the, the bullpen's not solidified either, so we're going to keep going through that. And one thing that... The fan base, you guys seen it on Twitter. One thing that the fan base was really complaining about was not acquiring any big name free agents. But Oral Hershiser on the broadcast today, he made a really great point. He goes, You see that guy at shortstop? Corey, Corey Seager? Seager. That's the front office's big name acquisition. And I didn't think about it like that. I honestly didn't. So he and Joe Davis were talking about it, how when he played his full season, uh, 20, what, 2016, 2017, in those two years that he played, his war above replacement and his OPS was only third behind Mike Trout and Melky, no, I'm sorry, not Melky Cabrera, um, Bookie Betts Bet. and Mookie Betts. Why was I thinking Miguel Cabrera? And, uh, and, and Mookie Betts. And you're thinking, holy crap, that's a... Uh, that's pretty insane. So the big name signing that the Dodgers did not spend $300 million on is Corey Seager, who's playing shortstop every day. Yeah, that's who Corey Seager is. And I, I think we've, uh, that's, that would mean we, that's what was projected for him since he was in the minors. And just taking a look at the guy, you could tell he's, he's built differently. Um, and then, you know, when he, when he gives interviews and stuff, you can tell he's got a good hand on his shoulder. So this whole entire rehab process, um, obviously you don't want it to happen to someone like Corey Seager, but a, a guy like Corey Seager is built I think for that differently than anybody else. Now, um, adding him to this roster. Now, look, we did have Manny Machado on the roster last year, and Manny, Manny Machado is a great player. Um, and so, I don't want to act like we we didn't have anything at shortstop the second half of the season because we did. I mean, Manny Machado is a, I mean, a star in his own right. But um, it's a, you get the feeling that Corey Seager is just one of our guys, you know. And I think uh, just kind of that business like approach he has. It just adds a different dynamic to that lineup, and it adds a different kind of protection to guys like, uh, to guys like Justin Turner, Max Muncie, and uh, we're we're going to see that play out throughout the entire season, and as well as just his own numbers that he's going to be able to to provide. And he looks better this season too. I think he shed a few pounds and and uh, chiseled out a little bit. Yeah, and that was another thing that Earl was saying on the broadcast that the blessing in disguise that Seager was talking to him about was, yo, I was out for basically an entire year, and it allowed me to rebuild my body. So he got sturdier, more chiseled, and hopefully, you know, we see that rookie of the year silver slugger season out of him, and, you know, we get 25, 30 home runs, because as they also mentioned on the broadcast, the Dodgers lost 100 home runs from last year's lineup to this one. Yeah, I mean, they lost all those home runs via Yasiel Puig, Matt Camp. But in reality, was Matt Camp going to put up the same exact season he did last year? Absolutely I don't know. not. I, I, Absolutely not. I, yeah, I lean towards saying no to that. Um, Yasiel Puig and A.J. Pollock, now I think that's the, probably going to end up being a wash as far as home run numbers. And Corey Seager back for a full season. Justin Turner potentially for a full season. Um, I, I don't think that number, they're going to miss that number as evidence of today. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. You know, they were talking a lot of th- comparable stats and splits, specifically with Justin Turner. Justin Turner, they said, hey, look, you know, he fractured his wrist in spring training. And they showed the Dodgers before and after that injury in terms of him being out and the offensive difference where the Dodgers were literally scoring a run and a half a game more once he joined the team. The Dodgers were below 500 when Turner was not on the team. And, you know, having that left side of the left side of the infield, who can hit, who can field, as long as they're healthy, like I honestly 
don't mind the other platooning because those two guys in the heart of the order, they're going to be able to carry the team, you know, just as long as they stay healthy. Absolutely. But, um, you know, there's something to be said also about having your manager make as less as little decisions as he needs to. Um, and I think that's something they kind of just learning from experience from the last couple of seasons, right? There were so many like 51, 49 decisions that Dave Roberts had to make in the playoffs that he just got murdered for all postseason and, and then even in the offseason, right? So I think, you know, Dodger fans have their own opinions about him. But I think if you could throw guys out there like that, like Corey Seager, like, uh, like Justin Turner, and I think AJ Pollock is kind of one of those guys that you're not going to have to platoon. Um, you, the game, it, it's got, the game's going to have a more honest outcome um, when you don't put so much in the manager's hands. And I think that's really the direction that the Dodgers wanted to go this last offseason was, hey, let's just ha- let these guys, they don't think they want to have to stress day by day what kind of lineup they're making. And, um, you know, this roster is built in that way. That's that's why I think they made that commitment to Kike Hernandez and, you know, a week before the season. I don't think they would have done anything remotely close to that last season. So, Yeah. Yeah, and I think position players like the left field of left side of the infield and having Pollock in there telling Bellinger, dude, you're going to play right field, you know, and I'm air quoting the solidification of Kike at second base. That is, like you said, it makes the manager come up with less things. And I like that because I, I've been a big, you know, Dave Roberts hater. Like, I've been a big Dave Roberts hater forever. And it's not because he's a bad guy. I've met the guy. He's a really nice guy. And he was a great Dodger. And he's like a really awesome human. Now, my problem with him has always been that I don't feel he manages the team. He reads off of a cue card, and that cue card then dictates the game. And, you know, when you and I and my grandmother and the random people on Dodger Twitter are already beating him to the punch as to what he's going to do, it's like, don't you think the manager on the other end that also belongs to a multi-billion dollar club who has statistics and analytics and tape knows what you're going to do. And the Red Sox showed us, you know, like, yeah, Alex Cora was like, bro, I already know everything you're about to do. So let me counter it. And then we got our asses kicked in the World Series. I really enjoy the fact I'm digressing there, but I really enjoy the fact that there's more now position players that are actually going to play that position, which brings me to my next gripe that we kind of talked about on the Twitter. And, you know, talking about the position players, it leads me to uh, this other little segment that I've been wanting to talk about with the Franks. Frank, what am I going to say? You're going to say to ban the shift. Exactly. Other Frank, ban the shift. I know you guys really like the shift, but I'm not one for the shift. The shifting is not good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a little bit of a mischaracterization there. Wouldn't say I really like it or love it or anything of the sort. You guys are very much for the shift. You guys are on Twitter. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, listen, it's my belief that there should be one player per position, and that is it. And yeah, if we, and if I recall, my, my rebuttal to that was, was where does each position end? Where are the lines by which a a player cannot cross? And and therefore and thereby no longer be in his designated position. Okay, so let me explain it to you in a way that you might understand. So let's say that you, Frank, are on first base as a runner, and other Frank is on second base as a runner. And yes. I, Albert being awesome, hit a shot into the gap. Well, other Frank wasn't paying attention while you, Frank, 
you, Frank, then pass him on the bases. Guess what? He's out. You can't cross. Don't cross the streams. So when it comes to the defensive alignments, the third baseman should play third base. The shortstop should play short. At no point should the third baseman be able to cross over the shortstop. And at no point should either of those two left infielders be able to cross into the outfield or into the right side of the infield and vice versa. Uh, it's not It's not hard. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think that creates all sorts of issues. Is well, no, I think it cre- I think it's very hard because no way. Now what happens in a pop fly? What happens with the fly ball? That, that's a ball exactly. in play. Once the ball's in play, it's fair game. I mean, obviously, okay, balls in play. Yeah, obviously, if you hit the ball over the third baseman, the left fielder's not going to be like, well, well, it's uh, it's kind of over there okay. by the ball boy. I'm not going to go move over there. No, once the ball's in play, the ball's in play. The defensive alignment pre-pitch should have to be set to the positions where you're not going to have two left fielders. That doesn't make any sense. You're not playing left field and left fielder number two. You know, this isn't softball. There's no rover position. (laughs) Okay. Look, in my my opinion, just nine guys on the field. You know what I mean? Because it's already dicey with the outfield, right? Because you don't have, I mean, you don't have those, you don't have, it's pretty much what I'm trying to tell you is, uh, I understand that other sports have certain rules that are similar to this, right? So you have offsides in soccer, right? You have uh, football, you know, you can't have certain amount of linemen or, you know, the wide receiver's got to check in with, you know, with the guy on, on, you know, the sideline. Um, But baseball's not that, those sports. I mean, like, I know I understand we're trying to move the game into, into a certain direction and, you know, but look, what does that tell the hitters when... You let's say you let's say you ban the shift. What does that tell the hitters that are pretty much strictly pool hitters, right? That they don't have to evolve their game, that they don't have to defend the outside of the plate. I mean, that's what that's I think where you get in a little bit of, of murky waters is is let's say you do something like that. Let's say you ban the shift, then really you're you're making the game one dimensional in a way on on the other side of the ball. I think that's my biggest concern. More than like the actual position in itself, it's is what it does to the offensive side. No, not at all. I mean, what you're doing is you're preventing hitters from hitting and scoring runs. It's like, oh, you can only score if you hit a home run. That's the only way we're going to look at it. Now, just imagine the pitcher saying, you know what? I'm not going to pitch from the rubber. I'm going to pitch from the front of the mound. Like, you're not going to see that happening. The catcher's going to say, you know what? Defenseman alignment, I'm not going to play behind home plate. I'm going to play onto the left side of the infield because this guy's a major pull hitter. I mean, who's to stop the, who is to stop the pitcher from doing that or the catcher from doing that? Obviously, the pitcher will never do that because you have to pitch off the rubber. But it's like, okay, I'm going to throw the ball to third base versus first base, and I'm going to say the guy's out. You, you can't just start making things up as you go along. Agreed, and I, I don't think that the shift does that. I don't think it makes things up as you go along. Another thing, okay, you mentioned balls in play. That's fair. But what about uh, who covers second base on a stolen base attempt? Is it the shortstop? Is it the Balls in play. Once the no, ball, but, but once the, the ball, the, once the ball leaves the pitcher's hand, the ball's in play. Okay. Okay, so after the ball, after the release of the pi- uh, from the pitcher's hand, do whatever you want. So your issue is pre-pitch. Well, correct. Your defense—it's like other Frank was saying in football, in the NFL, and in football. Once you set, you set. You can't just move around however you like because it's false start. You know. So defensive alignment, one player per position, and once the pitch—he doesn't even have to let go of the ball. Once the pitcher becomes active and gets into his windup, if he stops, it's a balk. So at that point, you can even claim that the ball's in play. Okay, got it. 
All right. I mean, look, I, I I'm fine with that. Like, thank I, you. I don't have a quarrel thank with you. that. My only my only rebuttal though is, why, why? I mean, it, look, if you want to load up one side of the infield, learn to hit the darn ball the other way. But they're not going and to, you and, you, and you know that. And I agree with you there. Where if I'm looking at someone like uh, I'm sure you guys remember Gary Sheffield, right? So Gary Sheffield was an extreme pull hitter, an extreme pull yeah. hitter. Now if he were playing today and by the grace of God was given a Mike Trout $400 million offer, I'd say, or even if Mike Trout was an extreme pull hitter, I say, listen, sir, we're giving you $400 million. You are arguably the greatest player of a generation. Learn how to bunt the other way. Learn how to hit the other way. But they're not going to, and they can't make them. Look, I, I think another added wrinkle that we're not looking is that baseball is the only sport where the defense has the ball, Right. So in football, yeah, the offense has to line up in a certain way. But the defense, what does defense get to do? Pretty much do whatever they want, right? They just can't cross that imaginary line. I think baseball, I mean, that side, that uh, that added a wrinkle does make it different because they're pretty much – the offense is just reacting to what the defense is going to do. I mean, I think versus the other way around, like you, you don't have to control, you know. In football, you have to control what the offense is going to do because otherwise the, the defense wouldn't be able to react you know but baseball to the other way around the defense has the ball right so regardless of what happens like the the hitter has to hit the ball and it's, it's just about whether or not he's making contact so i think if we if we took away if we forced if we just let hitters kind of just stay one-dimensional that, ultimately that for me that's what's bad for the game right if you just tell oh cody bellinger sorry they're gonna shift you they can't shift you cody bellinger is never gonna develop as a hitter and you know, in the end, he's not. I think that's worse for the game than a, you know a silly alignment rule. You know what I mean? Is is players kind of just doubling down on one thing? And I, you know, we see it in other sports with the three point shots, stuff like that, where games kind of just go a little too far in one direction. And I mean, you're seeing a little bit of that maybe with the home run ball in baseball, but I would just hate for it to to really make players a little one dimensional. And and my favorite part of you know, when I used to be a pitcher, is forcing the hitter's hand. But, I mean, it, it kind of just makes you – it kind of takes an arm away, a limb away from you when, when if you weren't able to align your defense the way you would want it to. And um, I'm cool with you setting him up how you want so long as it remains one player per position. That's my only gripe. There should be one player per position. Lines on the field, though. You know what I mean? Like, that's where it gets a little di- – if you were to tell me, okay, you, you – up the middle, there's the line. Right, up the middle from the you know home plate, pitcher's mound, second base, center field fence. Right, you got to keep two infielders on one side, two infielders on the other, and then in the outfield, I mean, you have a center fielder, so it gets a little bit gray there. Then maybe I'd understand it, but it, uh, to split it up into nine different areas, that's where it kind of gets a little. Well, it, it's like you had mentioned earlier with the offsides rule in soccer. The offside line moves with the player, so it's not defined. So in in this case for baseball, like I had made the earlier example of one runner passing the other runner on the bases, call, calling him out. So long as one position player does not cross over the other position player, they should be perfectly fine. There's no reason why the third baseman should be to the left of the shortstop. Like, there's not. So we can we can still, but here's the thing, we can still have, so you're telling me we can still have all nine guys on one side of the field as long as they're not crossing each other. 
crossing over each other. Correct. So you you leave them within their areas so that they don't cross over each other because what you see a lot is, okay, hey, uh, Justin Turner, go play literally behind second base. Shortstop, stay at short. So now we have, I see that. Yeah, yeah. we have three guys to the right of the infield and it's like, no, everyone should be one position per player. Or, yeah, one player per position. And the outfielders, same deal. Just don't cross each other. Now, once the ball's in play or the pitcher's in motion, all rules are off because now it's live. But prior to the alignment or prior to the the ball being in play, there shouldn't be alignments that set you up in a sense that there's multiple players at one position. Okay, so basically now the manager can't just say, okay, my shortstop's my player position player with the biggest, with the most range. We'll keep him on the other side of the field to cover the most ground. It's still a shift, though. I mean, if you shift everybody to one side of the field, even if they're not crossing each other, but they're over, I mean, that's that's still a shift. It's just a matter of, I think what where, where you're getting at is you don't like seeing, yeah, you don't like seeing Justin Turner. Well, it's not even that. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't like seeing six players on one side of the field, and you're like, okay, fuck. Nothing's going to happen this inning now, because we have three lefties coming up, and they're all going to hit the ball and make contact, but they're all going to line out to the guy playing Rover in right field. And then all of a sudden, your singles are non-existent. I still see that as a problem with that. But with like your, 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 doubles, they, they, your doubles are now singles, assuming you get on base. Yeah, but if you learn to hit the other way, which they your won't. singles are now doubles. Give me one player at the major league level that in the last three seasons has gone from being a pull hitter to, you know what? Let me bunt down third. Or let me let me hit it into the left field. Name one. I'll, I'll wait. Well, you know what? Cody Bellinger's actually had quite a quite a number of hits with the extreme shift on, where he's gone down the third base line, and a routine ground out has turned into a double for him. Because I know today he did hit a shot to left field, but the left fielder was playing in left field. There was no extreme shift to the outfield. But he's not a guy that you go up there and you're kind of like, hey, you know what? We can't shift against them anymore. I don't know of any one particular player where you're like, oh. Yeah, he figured out how to beat the shift. Everyone aligned normally. Because a player, I mean, you look at these players, even players that are phenoms like uh, Guerrero Jr., right? How old is this kid, 19? He's been hitting the way he's been hitting since he's been in the womb. You know, these players have been hitting like this their entire lives. They're not suddenly going to change their mechanics and be like, oh, fuck. Because if they would, they could, and they would have done it already. Yeah, I mean, I think we can agree, Albert, on what the problem is. Because, look, I mean, that 18 inning game in the World Series last year, wouldn't have happened 15, 20 years ago just because I feel like you get to the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. Everybody's just trying to end the game with one swing. Whereas I think 15, 20 years ago, there'd be a little bit more strategy involved. Maybe get a guy on, get a guy over. Um, so the game has changed in that sense where guys are just kind of, yeah, making make, maybe making themselves one-dimensional, which I think is a fair point. Um, but, I mean, I just don't think the solution is that. I think, I think what's, I think, the game evolved to this point, not because of the shifts, you know what I mean? I think the game evolved to this point because I think, I think what's happening, I think analytics is one part of it, but I think what's happening is a lot of players are getting called up a little too early, right? So they're not fully, fully developed, right? They're getting called up for talent rather than where they are there in their development, right? So say a guy like uh, just a, a, a Joe Schmo throws a hundred miles an hour, right? Well, these hitters know that they're not going to real build string one, two, three, four hits together. Right. So be off a guy that's throwing 100 miles an hour. Right. So they're just going to try to swing for the fan that way. Right. Because those guys are the same guys that got called up early and, and didn't develop maybe an opposite field approach. Right. Or, or you know, I, I, I always talk about Justin Turner in this way where he was kind of backwards on the launch angle. Like, you know, now he's pretty much a launch guy. He gets the tries to get the ball in the air. But early in his career, he was strictly an opposite field hitter. 
right? And obviously he wasn't great. He wasn't who he is now. But what makes him who he is now, aside from that launch, is the fact that he does have that opposite field swing in his back pocket. You know what I mean? He doesn't get beat on the outside half of the plate or on, on you know, the soft stuff away, right? It, otherwise, if he was just a, a pure launch guy, he would, he would get beat on the outside half all day. But um, I don't think the issue is, you know, positioning. I think the issue is we're calling some of these players up a little too early and just going in that direction. And how do you think the shift, the way it is now, is going to be affected or not affected by the rules that would be implemented in 2020 with the the, the minimum batters that a pitcher has to face? Well, personally, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that that rule is going to eventually be implemented in an evolved form. I don't think it's going to be the the three batter minimum as it as it as it stands now, like. Uh, black and white. Yeah, currently I've heard something the, about. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, if it if it ends in inning, in other words, a pitcher comes in only faces one batter and he ends the inning, he does not have to come in and face two. Right, batters correct. After. So the way it's written now is that it would only go into effect in extra innings and go into effect in the playoffs, and a pitcher has to come in and face minimum three hitters unless the inning is over. So that's how it's currently written. I don't. I'm not in love with that rule. I think uh, rather than controlling how many hitters each pitcher is going to face. I think they should just control pitching changes altogether. I would just limit it down to one pitching change per, per inning, right? And if you if the manager does have the luxury, if he wants to make that second pitching change, but it's going to disqualify that previous player for the next game or two and you got to play with 24 guys. I think that's the way to do it. Um, unless you put them on the DL, then you could replace them. No, we're, um, this isn't I, soccer. You're not getting a red card and suddenly out the next game. <laughs> Well, no, it's the manager's decision whether he wants to burn him the next game. It's not, you know, a penalty or anything, right? That manager can make that decision. If this guy's pitched two games in a row and he doesn't want to use on the next game anyway, he's going he's gonna to do it. But I think it will limit a lot. Frank, you keep cutting out, Frank. Yeah, I heard him clear. I think it'll, it'll probably come out. But he's basically saying that, you know, implementing that rule for the regular season. Um, you know, I think of some variation of that could potentially work. Uh, overall... I agree. I don't like the three batter minimum rule. I think that it just changes the game a little too much. I don't think that's a, you know, a, a small change. I think that leads to a, a large uh, change in baseball and eliminates one, a position altogether. The loogie, as we call them, or, you know, the specialty pitchers. Um, or I know it would or maybe your specialty pitcher has to be better on the other side, but. I don't know. I think that's it's a little too drastic of a change for me. Um, I I like it, and I don't mind going the route that other Frank was saying. How a a manager has one switch per inning, or only has X amount of switches in the entire game, minus an injury, because everyone complains about the length of the game. Manfred complains about the length of the game. I don't mind it. I don't care. It's baseball. It's a pastime for a reason. But. When you're dealing with someone like Dave Roberts, who can basically have a shoe deal for, with the amount of times he swaps players in and out, you're just kind of like, okay, there's there's absolutely no reason why it's the seventh inning, eighth inning, and we have one pitcher left in the bullpen. That's what's making these games go three and a half, four hours, where it's like, oh, I forgot it's a t-ball team. Every kid has to play. So all of a sudden, you're rotating half of your position players and five of the seven dudes in the bullpen. Yeah, and I think we should be careful about calling it. I don't think it's a length of game issue. 
issue. It's more of a pace of play thing because football. There's football games that last four, four and a half hours. No, no way. Oh yeah, football games are on a clock. You hit those 15 minutes and you're done. Baseball, you got Pedro Bias out there, and pace of play does dictate length. If you had Pedro Bias as a starter, and this guy, by the grace of God, threw nine innings, do you think that's going to be an hour, 25-minute Clayton Kershaw game? Absolutely not. That's going to be a, no. a three-and-a-half-hour siesta. Right, no, but, but I, Pedro but Bias saying, is one man. and No, I, I, I disagree. I think there's, a, there's a, a gap. There's definitely a gap between pace of play and length of game. Yeah, nobody because nobody was complaining about Game Seven of the 2016 World Series, the you know the Cubs and the Indians, right? Because there was it was action packed. There wasn't really any dead space in that game, right? Other than just what naturally comes with baseball in between pitches, right? I, I think it is more of a length because there there do there's football games that last longer than baseball games. That's just the fact of the matter. But I think basketball is the only sport that kind of just stays you know a little quicker because football you know with all the penalties and stuff. That's a whole other discussion. But I think. Um, I think we should, length of game. I don't think is is the best way to judge it. I think it's it's what's happening in those, and if it's you know, and if it's keeping people engaged. What's going to not make you change the channel? It's not necessarily how long are you going to watch. You know, I think that's that's what the approach that that baseball should take. Well, me personally, and you guys, you know, you're baseball fans. You appreciate the sport. I don't mind it being a ten nine slugfest or a one nothing pitchers duel. Now. The general population, the casual fan, the, I don't know, I would say 80% of the audience is kind of like, yo, we need some runs. Why is nothing happening? Like, it's a no-hitter for both teams. Shut up. Who cares? I want to see some runs. Now, us three and, you know, the various people that we interact with would be like, holy shit, we have a dual no-hitter going? This is awesome. But everybody wants to see action. They want to see runs. And, you know, that that's part of it where you don't want to see Pedro Baez throw a pitch, walk around the mound, scratch his butt, and, you know, hey, he did all that just to get one guy out? Fuck, that took 12 minutes. All right, going to commercials, jack-in-the-box, blah, 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 and then you come back, and no, it's right. it's your lefty pitcher, and then you're kind of like, okay, cool. So struck out the lefty, and we're going to commercial again because Dave Roberts is going to have a third guy for a third batter. Yeah, dude, I agree. that The Brewers-Dodgers NLCS was between Dave Roberts and Craig Council was miserable at times, right? It just stopped being enjoyable sometimes because of that. I agree. I agree. But I don't think I, the way to judge that would be to see – to, to see, oh, these games are lasting three and a half, four hours. I think it's um, it's looking at the little things in the middle. Ultimately, it will affect that. It will, right? But I, if people are engaged, then that's, you know, nobody's going to be really complaining about how long it is. I think we're going to see a, a, a change, and that is with how we handle commercials. If you've noticed, a couple of sport events have already, it looks like, either tested it out or gone to it where you get the commercial off in the side of, of the screen. Oh, I hate that. Uh, you might hate it. You might hate it, but I think it go, It could go a long way toward helping pace of play and in turn length of game because instead of breaking for, you know, a three and a half, four minute commercial spot or whatever it is, you get that on the side. You, the advertisers, you know, you get your advertisement money, you get that in, you pay your bills that way, and then you go on. And I think that could help. I know it's 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 not Frank. If you say thing. that the players should wear advertisements on their jerseys, I'm gonna ban you from the show forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am not for that. I, I, I'm I was unhappy that the NBA did it, even if it's that small little patch, because they're opening the floodgates. And 
that small patch, and then we're gonna have, we're gonna be soccer pretty soon here. Okay, good, because I didn't want to have to make you delete your Twitter account. <laughs> Not yet, at least. <laughs> okay, guys. So I know we're in a shitty division. The Dodgers are projected to be seven to one favorites for the World Series behind the Yankees and the Astros, who are both five to one. And they are favored. What it's something stupid. It's it's a little less than one to one to win the National League West. The division is trash. The Padres are trash. How do you guys see it playing out? And keep in mind, it's 2019, so I don't want to hear any of this. Well, the Padres in 2022, <laughs> you better watch out. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna have to go with Vegas on this one. I think the, the National League West is it's 100% the Dodgers to lose. I mean, if they lose, it's it's because something went terribly wrong and not because anybody else rose to the occasion right i think um there there would just be no excuse for it even with injuries just with the depth this team has so yeah i mean the nl west i don't I, that shouldn't i mean obviously it's a goal and it's a it's a benchmark and it's a it's a something they need to check off their list but i mean they gotta have bigger aspirations than just the nl west right no right it's like who cares who cares about division banners it's like Shaq. he's like oh sacramento you guys can have all the division banners you want have all the Pacific Division banners you want. We're hanging championship banners. And, you know, we've been close the last couple of years. You know, like Yasiel Puig said, got kind of screwed over by Dave Roberts, who wouldn't play the best players or pull them out when they weren't performing. Well, that's a We could write a book on why the No, no, I'm waiting for Molly Knight to come out with another book. I am not. You can wait for that. All I, I'm not either. I, ne- I never read it. I had to mute her. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't talk about baseball much anymore, does she? I, I wouldn't know. She doesn't pop up my timeline. Her and a couple of other people where it's like, fuck, I don't even follow you. Why are you on my timeline? And it's because people are retweeting and favoriting the shit. And it's just like, oh, Twitter, get a better algorithm. I don't care. Well, I don't know if you know, I've got my algorithm pretty pretty down pretty well. I forgot who it was that showed me where you can actually eliminate the feature of people's likes showing up in your timeline. Oh, yeah, I have that. You know what? I'll send it to you. It's it's a quick little fix. Nice. And and that's helped tremendously because I don't have to see. I don't care if you like this or like that. Um, if I follow you, you know, I want to follow you, but I don't want to follow your likes or your retweets, perhaps. Um, and so there's that option. And then you know, just the mute. Obviously, the block, the block brings a certain satisfaction to certain people. So you know, it's that way from that pretty much. But uh, the mute button's great. No, I'm the opposite. I, I like the mute button because I don't. If I block you, you know that I blocked you. So then you're kind of like, right. ah, shit. Now, whatever I say, they're not going to see. Well, if I mute you, you don't know that I mute you. And it's going to let you continue jabber on and do nothing but talk to yourself like the crazy person that you are. And then you're going to be like, hey, 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 I totally burned them there. And it's like, no one's even thinking about you, man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're all on both sides of those. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, right. I'm sure we are, and you know, I, there are certain people that uh, have blocked us, and I've noticed that the people that have blocked us either have a shitty sense of humor or are stealing our content. Those are the two kinds of people that block us. And uh, uh, what's his face? The, uh, the 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 one Chad guy. The one Chad guy blocked us last year because apparently he's like a uh, Dave Roberts zealot, and Dave Roberts can do no wrong. And uh, the guys over at Dodger Digest, they do they do good work. But I don't know if you guys saw this tweet today. One of them posted that they were very disappointed that. The Dodgers being the storied franchise that they are in Los Angeles yeah, being as, saw, saw as multicultural that it is, that eight... They had seven white guys in the lineup. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> seven of the eight position players are white. And it's like, okay, who cares? I don't... It's like, here. here's the thing. Like, listeners, you guys you guys are here every week with us. You know I'm Mexican. You know that the Mag and, and Curtis are white. So suddenly you're like, oh, we don't like the podcast anymore because it's got more white people than Hispanic. It's like, no, that's stupid. I don't care if the Dodgers field nine Jews, nine Christians, nine Muslims, nine Blacks, 
nine whites, nine Mexicans, nine Puerto Ricans. I don't care. Give me the best nine we can play so we can win. All right. Like I, if even, even as, as much as I am against a little statistics card, that little stat sheet says, yo, the Reds, they're not very good against uh, Mexicans. Dave Roberts better play nine Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> you know wouldn't that be something yeah so i don't care if, I, I don't care if my team is a bunch of white dudes this isn't 1945 you know it's yeah. give me the best nine don't care about their background their last names do not care nothing give me the best nine yeah that was just a, i mean it seemed like just an observation gone gone wrong and just a good old-fashioned bad tweet you know what i mean like i think we've all had some oh absolutely uh, you've seen our twitters but, our, our twitter oh, terrible you know, mine, mine recently has been you know a freaking shitstorm lately but um yeah i mean sometimes it's just not going to go uh the tweet's not going to go the way you intended it to i think the word disappointing is the word we, me and frank were talking about it earlier the, where you put the word disappointing it's disappointing that that's the way that's i think where he went wrong and uh, he could have easily done without that word yeah because adding the word disappointing now gives you your opinion versus an observation observation would be oh hey look Seven of the eight position players are white. Saying, I'm disappointed that seven of the eight are white. That's now you giving me your social justice warrior opinion. Yeah, and then, and and then I don't, and I don't, yeah, and I don't, I don't know that. the guy. I, I don't personally know the guy. Um, and I don't know what he looks like or where he's from or anything. I just know he does stuff for Dodger Digest. But I'm looking at his name and I'm going to be racist here and say, sounds like a white guy. <laughs> I don't think that's racist. Maybe uh, stereotypical. I actually don't know. I don't know. I actually don't know that he is. I don't, sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's racist. Well, it is racist if you think about it because I'm talking about race. Well, there's prejudice and then there's... Yeah, well, there's prejudice, prejudice, I will openly admit on the podcast, as I have several times before, that I am prejudiced. I am equal opportunity hater. Don't care. <laughs> don't care what you're doing, who you are, where you're from. If you're being an idiot, you're being an idiot. If your you sound quality is bad, if your sound quality is bad, you're gonna say it sounds like trash. Oh, absolutely, right? anyway. absolutely, other Frank. <laughs> and, and, Sorry, and just so that the listeners know, other Frank is on his cell phone because he couldn't work off his mic, so he apologizes profusely for the integrity of his uh, content. Uh, guys, I don't know if you're familiar with the Left Field Pavilion, but this is something we've been talking about the last few weeks. The Left Field Pavilion every year does a softball charity tournament for the Dodger bloggers which started, it's kind of started like this, where you guys have your own podcast, I have mine, they have theirs, and, you know, people start talking shit on the Twitter and whatever. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, uh, Mike Brown, whose real name is James, but he's a white guy from Pennsylvania, so clearly he's not going to go as James Brown. Fun fact, Kevin Brown that played for the Dodgers, his first name was also James. What? Yeah, it was. So. What a phony. Yeah, so, you know, there being a very, very famous James Brown and you being a white guy... You're, you're not going to go with James Brown as your first name when, you know, Mike is your middle one. Mike, who is a very big proponent of uh, charities and the L.A. Mission charity and is a massive Dodger fan who runs the left field pavilion, put on this blogger tournament where it's like, oh, the Franks are talking shit? Okay, Franks, get your best nine, get your best ten because you guys play the rover positions and let's go play softball. <laughs> and, well, you know, at, at first it was like eight or nine podcasts that were doing it in blogs and then 10, 12, 14 uh, uh, this year, I've seen that there's like 18 of them signed up and the tournament is intramural. So, you know, men and women are going to be playing together. It's at the West Covina F- Big Field Dreams. I always get that name wrong, but it's the only one out in Covina. <laughs> Big League Dreams. Big yeah. League Dreams. Yeah, you, there you go. It's on a Jose Canseco Drive. Um, and the proceeds go to the charity, the LA Mission, and we're inviting people to come play on our team. 
uh, unless you suck, go to the LFP.com. You can see the 2019 registration. Click on the registration. The little drop down will show you all the podcasts. Click on our podcast. And if you want to help us, but you suck, be an anti-ringer on another podcast and just, you know, <laughs> kind of just help them suck so that we can win this year. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> too ringer. I'm not too, yeah, I'm not too bad, actually. Um, I think softball might be the actually the, the sport for me nowadays, though, because I'm pretty sure I tore my rotator cuff not too, not too long ago. But, uh, you know, if you need someone to throw underhand. Is that why you never made it to the show? From, from 40. <laughs> That's, yeah, we can, we can say that. Yeah, it might also be because even when I was at full health, I only threw like 86 miles an hour. I don't think that's going to cut. Uh, I'm right. sorry, Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox, who's arguably the GOAT, was topping out <laughs> yeah, in his prime little... at 88. I think oh. I was the best two-seam fastball of all time short of, uh, of being Greg Maddox then. Um, <laughs> Frank the student, you know, not whenever the professor. We have, whenever, we have a, whenever we have a podcast that doesn't do well, it's also due to the torn rotator cup. Of Frank's right shoulder, hundred percent. Is that what's causing these technical issues with your microphone? Yeah, totally. This, you know, the communication with between the, uh, you know, the rotator cuff, and then you know, I'm losing feeling and the, yeah, all that for sure. Any bad tweet that comes from us is also due to the torn rotator cuff. <laughs> For sure. It, it makes sense. It. it makes sense because your fingers could have slipped while t- attempting to type, and then the autocorrect changes it, and then all of a sudden people think Frank and Frank are racist and, you know, that they hate women or something. Oh, uh, we're, we're, we're not racist. Apparently, uh, we're misogynist. Misogynist. Do you, yeah, do you, wait, do you have to go to school for that? Were you guys hanging out with Robert yeah, Kraft? You, yeah. Actually, no. You have to visit frequent massage parlors for that. <laughs> There it is. That's us. All right, guys. Um, so if you want to hang out and go on to the LFP website, you can do that. Join the charity. Help us win and also help the LA Mission charity. Uh, guys, tell the audience how they can find you on the Twitter. Yeah, so, I mean, you could. I'm Frank Lopez. I'm at Baseball Frank. You know, the, the, the. Frank, I'm going to have to stop you there, and uh, I'm going to ask other Frank to step in because – Everything you just said sounded like absolute trash and nobody heard you. So other Frank, please step in and say what other Frank just said. Yeah, this is what I do best here. So uh, it didn't sound like trash. It sounded like he was transmitting from Mars or something. Uh, So he's at Baseball Frank on Twitter. and uh, Baseball is in Spanish. Let the people know that. Yeah, Baseball in Spanish, the Spanish way of spelling baseball. Baseball Frank altogether. And then I'm at Frank Talk LA altogether on Twitter. And our podcast handle is Let's Be Frank Pod on Twitter, Instagram, as well as Facebook. Awesome. And do you guys have anything else before we get out of here? Go no, Dodgers. I mean, go Dodgers. Yeah, let's do it. Good. Are we going to win the World Series this year or are we going to lose it again? Three Pete's? Uh, Three Pete's? That's your ass we're going to. Okay, no three P. Third time's a charm. Okay. Third time's a charm. All right, everyone. That's been our podcast. Don't forget to stalk us on the Twitter at Besco Show. You can check out all the behind the scenes action on the Instagram, also at Besco Show. You can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, really anywhere podcasts are heard. But that's been our show, and you guys have a good night.